other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno returning to the microphone with yet another chapter in the congestion pricing saga. Now, by way of background, if you haven't been following this, essentially the MTA is holding hearings all over the place to determine the amount of the congestion pricing fee. There's a variety of seven different plans and the congestion pricing fee ranges from $9 to $23 for people that commute during rush hour. I've looked at all the plans and I was somebody that was open to congestion pricing because I recognize the stranglehold the traffic congestion is placing on business and just life in general in Manhattan. So I'm all for trying to find a way out of it. However, these seven absurd plans are just that, absurd. They increase pollution and they increase traffic congestion. They raise prices on any New Yorker that buys anything in Manhattan. So it's inflationary. So that's why I was very pleased to see my uh, very close friend and my councilman and the minority leader of the New York City Council, somebody that I used to work for in the city council, Joe Borelli, leading a group of 20 bipartisan legislators who have now sent, as of yesterday, a five-page letter to the governor calling on her to withdraw support from implementing congestion pricing here. These legislators argue, pretty convincingly if you ask me, that it will harm low-income outer borough residents the most. Here's a quote from the letter from Minority Leader Borelli. Those are the people we are saying and also proud to be saying are going to be paying for the privilege of certain people in lower Manhattan to have the perception that there is less traffic. The study that the MTA has done themselves found motorists detouring new tolls could actually add traffic to the Bronx, Staten Island, and Bergen County, New Jersey. In every tolling scenario, the Cross Bronx Expressway, which is already a parking lot, would see even more cars and trucks on their already congested roads. This is total nonsense. If you haven't already signed up to testify in opposition to these congestion pricing fees and these congestion pricing plans, I certainly hope you would. To Councilman Borelli and the 19 other bipartisan legislators that wrote to the governor on Monday, I say bravo to you. I hope you keep turning up the heat. And uh, I think this is going to be a deciding factor in the gubernatorial race. It's the driving reason why I'm voting for Lee Zeldin. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. As I mentioned yesterday, and uh, I'll repeat this for those of you that, uh, that might not have heard it, I thought the front page story in the New York Times on Sunday on yeshiva education and how so many of the students that go to certain yeshivas, not all yeshivas, but certain yeshivas in our state, is the education in those schools is woefully inadequate and how these schools are benefiting from a great deal of public money. This is an issue that I've been covering in some detail for the last two years, and next week I'm hoping to put together a big debate on this. But on Monday, there was some big news on this front, on two different fronts. One, a state board of regents committee unanimously voted to require all private schools to teach classes in English and ensure that all students study math, science, 
history, and English, a decision that is likely to result in a legal confrontation with some Hasidic sects and some yeshivas specifically. We'll see where this goes, but this is a great first step by the New York State Board of Regents. It shouldn't really even need to come to this because the New York State Constitution already guarantees students in this state a sound basic education up to the eighth grade, which they've been denied in many of these schools. Again, I want to reiterate, not all yeshivas, but far too many for my taste. But on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, where there's some positive news, the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, is doing what he seems to so often do. He's completely out to lunch. They asked him about this, about this bombshell report in the New York Times, and essentially Adams completely waved it off, and he completely brushed it off. These schools took a billion dollars of public taxpayer money, and essentially the mayor dismisses all of these blockbuster claims in the Times story and says he prefers an independent review. Well, I wonder, is it in any way connected to the fact that both in the primary and the general election that Mayor Eric Adams was supported by the leaders in these Hasidic communities? Hmm, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Just as his support for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is just a coincidence, even though one of his biggest supporters was Brock Pierce, who is one of the leading cryptocurrency advocates in the entire country. Give me a break, Mr. Mayor. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. We spoke a bit about the monarchy as a tradition in the Commonwealth on Friday. As far as I'm concerned, I think this is completely ridiculous. But if the British taxpayers want to keep this fiction up, then I guess it's relatively harmless. That is until you see stories like the one I came across yesterday. Did you see this? Because of a rule passed in 1993 to protect the royal family's assets in the event of multiple sudden deaths, King Charles III, the brand new King of Great Britain, the United Kingdom, etc., does not, repeat, does not have to pay inheritance tax on the Queen's private estate worth a whopping $754 million. Let me repeat that. (laughs) The new king of England, who does nothing, who has zero or next to zero actual responsibilities, whose role is entirely ceremonial. Look, I'm not disputing the importance of having someone to do good things as the head of the state, as the ceremonial head of the state. It's great to have figureheads. Wonderful. This guy just inherited $754 million and is not going to pay any inheritance tax on this. Now, this goes, this is going on while the British people are suffering. Energy prices are going through the roof. They have no plan in terms of how to tackle rising energy costs. Uh, They're going to face a big problem in terms of deficits because the new prime minister, Liz Truss, wants to go forward with tax cuts. They're facing an energy pricing crisis and a looming deficit crisis because of these forthcoming tax cuts. And yet they are about to let one of the richest men in all of Europe inherit $754 million without paying any inheritance taxes. This, to me, makes absolutely no 
sense. I mean, are there any people in Great Britain or the UK or Europe or the world that might be in slightly more need of charity and and a tax break and or loan forgiveness than King Charles? I suspect there might be. This whole idea of the monarchy is absurd. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. I am proud to say that I was one of the first to call shenanigans on this one, and I'm glad this folly was short-lived. New Jersey's largest public school district, that of course would be Newark, was one of the last in all of the state to lift its mask mandate for its students and staff. But finally, Newark schools have ended the COVID mask mandate. And starting yesterday, masks were indeed optional. This mask mandate, which I talked about at the time, which I made clear made no sense, which I made clear was not based in science, this mask mandate, which was supposed to go for two weeks, lasted four days. And it goes to show you that these people, these public health authorities, these governmental authorities, these educational authorities, they don't know. They're making this stuff up as they go along. And I think in many cases, they're doing so with the best of intentions. This mask mandate is rubbish. I'm glad it's gone. And I'm glad that now masks will be optional. The decision was made, according to school officials, given our review of multiple indicators and with the advice of the Newark Health Department and our health care partners. I'd love to know what the Newark Health Department said two weeks ago. Did the Newark Health Department change its guidance in two weeks? I think no. I, my guess is that the Newark Public School District got tired of being made fun of on radio shows like this one, and they got tired of dealing with angry parents that didn't want to send their school children to school in a mask. This was one of the last in the in the state of New Jersey to have a mask mandate for students, staff, and visitors. Masks were required at all times when entering district facility, and that policy remained in effect as more than 38,000 students returned for a new school year last week. Some had pointed to the current vaccination numbers in Newark as a reason to continue the mask mandate. Uh, the president of the Newark Teachers Union last week said, if you're upset that your child has to wear the mask in the classroom, Room, get them vaccinated. The sooner we have a higher number of kids vaccinated, the sooner those masks can come down. Well, excuse me, John Abigon, president of the Newark Teachers Union. Since when are you making mask policy and healthcare policy and educational policy in Newark? I thought your job was to represent your members and to get them the best contracts they can and the best salary they can. Since it's not up to you to decide what percentage of School children need to be vaccinated in order for children to take their masks off. That's not your decision. You have no authority to tell these school children not to wear a mask. Additionally, we've seen, and I'm vaccinated, I'm pro-vaccine, I'm vaccinated and boosted, but uh, we've seen that these vaccinations don't necessarily stop the spread. So don't dangle the prospect of a mask-free child over everybody's head if we all do the right thing by you and get vaccinated. Beam me up! To be continued.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.